ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Hey guys, this is Chris from Australia. I'm just on a drive from northern New South Wales down to Sydney. It's an eight-hour drive. Always listening to your podcast, guys. You do really good work. Thanks for your information. Thanks for the, thanks for the love. This is Chris. Bye. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you are all doing well. Thank you so much to Chris there from Australia for sending that message over. I really hope the podcast helped you through your eight-hour drive. Thanks again for sending over the message. It really is just so cool to hear the reach of this podcast and just to get a sense of where all you guys are from and where you listen to this thing from really is just so many amazing, beautiful people in the world. So thank you again. And if you would like to also send a message, all you need to do is just record a quick 15 to 20 second audio saying who you are, what you're up to and where in the world you're located. So anyway, this week, we're joined by Jason Porthouse. This one was recorded from our time at the Glastonbury Symposium. We really have some interesting conversations we recorded from our time there coming up in the very near future. And next week, we have an awesome podcast with Jan Kersmik, where we talk about the blending of science and nature. And we ask the question through this, how can we improve our interaction with nature? And me and Chris just also got back from Wilshire at the weekend which is just outside of London where we recorded two amazing conversations with a guy called Bruce Parry who lived with the last remaining tribes around the world and we talked about his journeys from that and lessons he got. We also at the weekend talked to a guy called Andrew Collins where we talked about the real origins of human beings so look look forward to them two amazing conversations in the near future. So anyway, in this podcast, we're joined by Jason Porthouse, who is an award-winning editor. He's working in TV production, he does documentaries, and also has a very keen interest in the metaphysical world and how us as humans actually relate to it. He also teaches meditation, and he really is such a wealth of knowledge, and you can talk to him about anything, which we certainly do in this podcast. We had a great conversation. It went all over the place. We talked about finding our way through society and how us as human beings can actually start owning our own shit. (laughs) So anyway, if you want to support this podcast, you can do that for our Patreon page. If you feel that these conversations do add value in your life or just help you get through the day or whatever, please just consider supporting us. We're never going to be running stupid, shitty adverts like every other podcast is doing, all we ask of you is if you consider becoming a patron, and even if you can donate $2 a month, such a small amount will go a huge way to keeping this podcast going and help us keep doing what we're doing. We're at a point now where we need your support to help us and allow us to keep doing what we're doing, these in-person conversations. 
If this podcast is worth $2 a month, please just ask yourself that. And alternatively, we also now have a one-off donation option as we had a few people were asking for that. So if you want to make a one-off donation, you can do that now. We're not saying you have to support the podcast. We completely understand that some people can't do that. The podcast is always going to be free. But all we're saying is that we see Patreon and the one-off donation option is sort of like a tip system. Just like if you're walking down the street and you heard a busker playing, you'd give them a tip. So anyway, enjoy this episode with Jason. Let's do this. <laughs> I haven't got a clue what we're going to talk about, by the way, because I haven't got a clue either. So, <laughs> so that, that makes so all that'll, those, be, so that'll be even better. Let's just have a nice conversation and see um, where it takes us. Here's me. Here's maybe a good place to take it. I mean, what's even something? What's something that you're thinking about in life at the moment? Well, I suppose what's really up for me at the moment, and this was reflected in the talk that I I gave. Mm-hmm earlier today um, is the importance of I guess um, us as individuals owning our own stuff mm-hmm. owning you know to put it in common parlance owning our own shit yeah, yeah. and and not dodging that because I think um, what can happen in a lot of personal development circles and a lot of what we would call say the new age movement things like that is that people can if they're not careful tend to bypass through an interest in spirituality, stuff that's lying under the surface, the sort of shadow aspects of the personality. Mm -hmm. And it manifests itself in in people having an attitude of everything's fine, everything's perfect, everything is in cosmic order, just as it should be. And on one level, I kind of get that. On one level, I kind of agree. But sometimes I think that can actually mask things within our own psyches that we'd rather not look at. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a bypassing of the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, and working with sort of shadow aspects of the personality isn't always easy. It can be quite uncomfortable because we learn things about ourselves that aren't always necessarily nice things to learn. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know. Um, and if we've got really good friends, they'll often point out some of these things to us in sort of you know a, a nice way that we can learn from and integrate with. But I think it's really important that as we move into a society that seems to be becoming ever more polarised mm-hmm. and that kind of the, the opposition to one another seems to be growing, it's often for good reason, that we don't, by not owning our stuff, we don't project onto other people. Do you, yeah, do you think, I Do you think, I like that, do you think technology has actually heightened that state because like, you ha- people have the ability now to voice the opinions? Do you think that's, working towards that or against that? I think it's both. Yeah. Because I think that like all these things, I, I mean, I find technology to be um, both a blessing and a curse sometimes. Yeah, definitely how do. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember a time when there was no internet, you know, no, yeah. mo- no mobile phones, none, none of that at all. Um, and so I've kind of grown up with that being sort of, you know, in development throughout my life. I've seen the advent of these things. And... Uh, 
I think they're an amazing tool for good because we've seen how social media can help mobilise people, Mm -hmm. can help sort of galvanise movements across the world. Mm -hmm. But I think the flip side of it is coming to light now where it can be manipulated. And we've seen that in things like the Cambridge Analytica affair where Facebook profiles were being harvested and used to influence the election in the US, Mm -hmm. you know without people's consent, without people's yeah. knowledge. Um, and we see it in the kind of bubble effect, that especially, I mean, because we are essentially talking about Facebook when we talk about social media, being as it's probably the most prevalent platform, mm-hmm. certainly for people of my generation. Yeah. I, I know younger I think Instagram now is the most popular for, like, sort of teenagers. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's sort of, I'm not sure whether that's as open to manipulation. Mm-hmm. But the, the kind of echo effect... You know, the fact that the algorithms that a lot of social media use feed you back stuff that you like. So all you ever end up seeing is stuff that reaffirms your worldview. Mm-hmm. doesn't get challenged. Do I think, think that's something that's, that's, that's kind of yeah, worth I was, guarding. I was against. just going to say, do you think a lot of people are, are too busy now in social media defending their beliefs instead of really um, taking on board other people's like advice or knowledge? Do you think... A lot of the, within the own, um, let's give Facebook for an example. You know how Facebook has um, the what's on my mind. Mm. It's basically expression of you constantly without the expert, without taking in other people in the forefront of an educational process. You know? yeah. You're not really learning from others. You're just voicing your opinion on a, gr- on a grand scale, really. Yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of can work in a sort of feedback loop because you voice your opinion. People give you likes. People sort of pat you on the back for it, metaphorically speaking. Mm. And that makes you feel good. Yeah, social justification. Yeah, and it's reaffirming your beliefs and, and your thought patterns. And, and that can be dangerous because we're not being challenged. And I think that again the shadow side of some of this is where you end up in a situation where there's things like no platforming that goes on where dissenting voices aren't allowed to be heard you know um, and I think that the mark of maturity in the democracy is that it can stand dissenting voices um, and even people who are necessarily saying things that are quite objectionable but if we just purely suppress them and shut them down mm-hmm. then we can't argue against that. Yeah. You know, somebody that has, I don't know, uh, views that are deemed racist or nationalistic or something like that, personally, I would rather hear those views and come back with a coherent argument Yeah, yeah I like, I like to, to, to kind of counter that. I think that's healthy. It helps them grow as well as a person. It, well, it helps them grow as a person because if they're prepared to listen and, and take that on board. But I think it's just really important for, for everyone listening because without that, without that sort of freedom of expression and it obviously has to have limitations mm-hmm. but that any civil society has to have those limitations in place but if it's totally suppressed then for those people whose views aren't allowed to be aired they're going to feel very victimized by that and it tends to go underground and i spoke in my talk about the Say, for instance, the incel movement, the involuntary celibates, they're, they're part of the kind of men's... I mean, what, what's that? I haven't heard of that. So it's, it's, it's an offshoot of the men's rights movement and the mm. red pill kind of oh, brigade. Okay. And they're, they're quite um, 
And there's a lot of anger around that and a lot of misogyny, a lot of hatred towards women in that circle because they see themselves as people that are never going to get relationships, that then, you know, very inadequate within themselves. Do they have a right, do you reckon, do, you have the right to, do they have a right to express themselves like that, do you reckon, or do you reckon they're just, they're void of the inner work themselves that they haven't really addressed the true psyche of them? I, I would say that's the case. I would say you're right in that. And this is why I was talking about the shadow side of it, is that they're not owning their shit yeah. they're not actually coming out with um, they, they, they don't have the tools to do that but also there's a societal responsibility as well which is uh, to do with the fact that quite often I think I mean we're, we're sort of moving into the, the realm of toxic masculinity here and, mm -hmm. and the crisis in masculinity and it's it's a world where we as society have lost the rites of passage, the sort of, the, the kind of, the traditional values, and I'm not saying we need to hark back to it because I'm not saying that the traditional values were right, but we have lost any of those rites of passage from boyhood into adulthood. So what you're tending to see is a sort of a blurring of that. And a lot of uh, men, young men who don't know what it is to be masculine. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it is to be male. They don't know because they have no role models. Yeah, yeah. So they look to role models that are maybe unhealthy, like gang culture or you know like, any group yeah. that they might identify Indeed. with that reaffirms their sort of sense of whatever it is that they've got as a problem. Yeah. So I think if you suppress that, it goes underground. And again, that's the, the beauty stroke danger of the internet is that they find forums for their expression and they can basically kind of whip each other up into a frenzy of hatred yeah. and whether that be uh, incels whether it be people that are radicalized through religion you know they're using the internet to kind of reaffirm their own beliefs and it's mm -hmm. this echo chamber again whereby you know you, you just have your own beliefs reflected back at you it reinforces it it's never challenged so I think all of this needs to be very much out in the open and, and sort of spoken about because then we can actually move forwards in a way yeah. that is, 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 is healthy as opposed to just suppression. Yeah. I, think, I think that's um, a, clear, um, a clear indicator for young men, especially young men who are trying to find themselves, who, who may be void of a father figure, someone who is actually a male masculine role model um, who they could look up to. I mean, it's very interesting how you, you call it the, um, the shadow because the, the shadow aspect of it really is that in order to really view the light we need the darkness beforehand so yeah. maybe that is essential part of their development that they need to see this darkness within to understand its power understand its like control over them yeah. in order to grow because yeah. it's it's going to be a really if they can do the inner work really look and identify themselves sit with their own thoughts even just simple measures as like watching your breath yeah. if your breath if after every conversation you have <laughs> angry and you, you're vexed and your emotions are engaged and you're a highly volatile person, it's really hard to connect with someone on a social scale, such as like a conversation like this, where we can listen and take in other people's opinions and, and enjoy and growth together. But with that, it just feels like a manifestation of hate and it's like, instead of um, voice and expression, which you'd think would help relieve it, it's, it's kind of just fuel in the fire sort of see of that hatred inside mm, yeah I think that's true I think it's very true because I think that, that without I mean because I think a lot of it is the fact that, that people in society young men in particular don't have the tools the techniques to do that because they're not taught anywhere yeah mm -hmm. 
you know and if you look back in in certain sort of indigenous cultures and things like that that would have been part of the growing process the maturation process you would have gone through some kind of trial some rite of passage that would have marked your delineation between childhood and, and manhood there would have been some kind of test there would have been knowledge handed down from yeah. the elders yeah you know and who were present who were present and who were, yeah, had the wisdom and we in the West don't tend to have that now. Mm-hmm. So young men in particular, I think, are floundering around looking for that and they find it in, in all the usual outlets that there are, mm-hmm. you know, musicians, footballers, yeah, you yeah. know, the, those kind of hero figures. But they're not really... They can be. Yeah. I'm not saying they're all not, but, you know, and, but there can be an edge to it, which is, is, is ultimately you, you, not really... Do you, I was say, do you think that the reason why people do go towards, like, it's the same for females as well, and we totally use an example of men, but do you think that's why we go that way towards them people? Because society has actually deemed them people as um, the ones who you should be looking at. So, like, because there's an example now, I mean, within this alternative movement now, there's a lot of, um, I've seen this switching a little bit, so where there's a lot of younger people who were actually looking at people like, just example, big sports stars or musicians or whatever it is, who were living this flashy lifestyle. There's people now through like this alternative movement that are coming through and showing that there's a, there's a different way to live your life. There's a, that's more, actually more fulfilling than the other one. And um, I think a lot of people and younger people now are sort of, not all time, because it's still a lot of work to do, but there's a lot of people like switching their stance on what is sort of classed as um, successful. Mm. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of these um, young men who are, who are actually watching these idols, like you mentioned, like um, football and celebrities um, and uh, like movie stars and stuff like that, what they're seeing is the just end of the rewards in a financial aspect. They are very, very profitable industries. The entertainment industry is very profitable. Not really heightened awareness of like who you yeah. are consciously yeah. but basically it, it puts you in a form of dumbed down entertainment to, to yeah. entertain the masses yeah. that's what and that's you, what it really yeah. is do you th- sorry do you, remember, do you think that um as a site we actually to to get past and own our shit like you said we actually sort of start need, need to redefine what it means to be human and what i mean by that is like redefine what actually it means to be intelligent what it actually means to be um um rich in life yeah. Because, like, obviously, because mm. we know that society, like, is projected this this angle of that to be rich in life. You have flashy cars, you have all this, but maybe it actually that it needs to be shifted. And richness isn't what what you have; it's actually what you have in here, really. Yeah. Do you think as a society we actually need to, that model might need to be shifted on itself from that to a more internal model? Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that the, I mean one of the things that I have great faith in is that the evolution of the species yeah. and I do think that we are in a, a burgeoning process of spiritual evolution I do think that that's the case so I kind of expect that you know like I'm having a conversation with you guys and you're mm. the generation below me yeah. and you're talking about this stuff and it's 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 it's, it's really great for me to see because yeah. it's sort of it's like yeah but that should be the case mm-hmm. To me, you know, the the people that come after me should outstrip me. Yeah, because that's how evolution works. The younger generation should. Yeah, and 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 as they're coming through, I think the problem is that they they're coming through into a system that 
hasn't in the past made space for that to be mm. important. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming in, and I, I see this with a lot of young people, that there's there's a kind of, well, the French call it ennui, don't they? That, that kind of boredom with life. There's a, there's sort of, they're not engaging. They're not finding something that can really they can really engage with. Mm-hmm. Because I think on, if you like, on a spiritual level, the soul knows that this Isn't is all right. pretty yeah. vacuous and yeah. doesn't mean very much. But how do you then live a life of meaning in a system that's predicated on consumption? That's a really, really good well, question. That's, that's the thing it's because when you, sorry, to jump in again, great point again, by the way. But we are when, because you're already when you're born, you're already born into like a structure in a game. Yeah. It's hard to, and then when you do start realizing that the game that you're already in, it's like oh, it has so many flaws. Like you're looking around, you're thinking. Well, I've been told I need to live like this. I need to do that. How how can I get out of this? And I have felt that same thing. Where mm-hmm. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I still feel that a lot in my life now. Like, how do I get out of this? Like, yeah. what do I do? Do you want to? Sorry, do you really want to get out of this? It's it's not really a case of getting out of it. I think it's more the opposite. I think it's a case of embracing it to the fact that you're here and it's an incredible gift. If you look at the odds, like well, that, the fact that we're here, it's um. 33 trillion billion billion to one yeah. like you're actually here right now on planet earth like you were the fastest um, sperm cell yeah. at that moment where your parents got together their parents got together yeah. you are in a, a, an amazing gift and we're talking about getting ourselves out of it yeah. we need to embrace yeah, but, it as the gift I'm talking, yeah it's two sentences but when I'm talking about getting out of it I don't mean I don't mean getting out of what we have here I mean talking about getting about getting out of the the things that are stopping you from getting into the real thing that's what I mean because in my life, like the things that were stopping me were um, materialism was a big one, mm-hmm. and um, I stripped myself away from materialism now, and I'm seeing a complete, I'm seeing the real world. I'm seeing the be- a beautiful world that's there now. The things that's void of money, the mm-hmm. things that's void of language, even. Yeah. But I think that what the world I'm talking about is the one that gets that's the world that gets numbed out to the young generation, yeah. and the other world is the one I'm trying to get out yeah. of. Yeah. There's um, I th- I think you can definitely find a lot of beauty aspect even in in something such as like consumerism even though it is a, bit, a very vast basis on like the more you have the better you are yeah. but if you can really strip that down and just find an appreciation for something that you do own like say you know what if you if i bought a t-shirt and i really like that t-shirt and i really appreciate the value of it and it's it feels great honestly it improves my mood i feel confident i mean that in me is like a process of of um, when consumerism can do something good for the actual psyche, it's it's when it gets enforced with greed and and the lack of appreciation for something. So it's again in my eyes, it's still about embracing like the beauty and accepting of life. Life is a gift, and yeah, if you want to go out and buy a flash car, you go out and buy a flash car. But make sure you enjoy the gift. I mean, you hear once who is anyone to judge anyone for what they want to do in life? Yeah. Whether it is if if they want to join a con- consumerist based society and they feel like they can spiritually advance through there, then they have to be the ones who go through that process. Yeah. I think think there's truth in both aspects of what you're saying. Um, I think that one of the keys is understanding, as you were saying, that that we are born into Mm -hmm. a consumerist society. And from the get-go, we are indoctrinated Mm -hmm. into that system. And the reason that happens is because that's how the system keeps going. Yeah, yeah. You know, it requires that generations produce future generations in order to be consumers. Um, 
because if they don't, there's no market. Yeah, Everything exactly. collapses. So given the fact that this is the system we are in, given the fact that, you know, unless there is some cataclysmic revolution that, you know, it's not going to change overnight, mm-hmm. I think that finding a sense of equilibrium within that system is quite important. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, for me, non-attachment to material goods... Yeah, it's something that I've worked a lot on. Is, yeah. is, ...is kind of an interesting way forward, because you can appreciate something for its beauty, for its aesthetic qualities. It, it, it's when you start acquiring things for the sake of your own sense, shoring up your own personality, I think that the problems start. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and I think that's where um, a lot of s- the ills of society start, because, you know, if, if we're in that sort of mode of thinking, like you said, that, you know, acquisition is everything and greed mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, all of those qualities that, that kind of cause people to take, take, take. And obviously right. that can bleed out into lawlessness and, you know, the kind yeah. of, if you can't take it by fair means you'll take it by foul yeah I think there's certainly a a fine line between um, an appreciation between an obsessiveness Uh, to the point of I think um, a good aspect in this is when you talk about um, a relationship a relationship can really um, open you up as a person because you have to separate yourself into someone else, they become a part of you, you you become a part of them and if you're wanting to withhold that in person from someone from uh, from the world, you it's like if you hide away a woman's beauty, eventually she will become to resent you. So if you actually, what you should do in life with a woman, is not don't have, have any holds or control over them. Just let them express who they are as a person, and they will love you more because you're showing them that it's okay for them to be who they are. And with with your more laissez-faire approach to um, a relationship, and not just a relationship with their partner, but it could be a relationship with, with um, your wardrobe, your clothes, or your food. If you just see things as, um, just like see things as a gift to what's being brought to you, you will appreciate them more. And mm. yeah, it just like you said, it's, I don't think it is about attachment. I definitely, I think it, there is some like dangerous things to an attachment because if you attach yourself so much to um, something to the point of your life's not going to be worth living if some if that goes wrong, then your hold and your aggressive your obsessive nature over it makes something more sour yeah. it feels like a sour taste yeah. Um, yeah I don't know if I'm, I'm putting this across right I don't know I, I kind of get where you're coming from and, it, and I think it's it seemed a lot better in my mind <laughs> <laughs> it's an important point really because I, th- I think that if, if the things that we own, if the things that we have and possess notionally, because, you know, that's a bit of a false construct, but, you know, the things that we believe we possess mm-hmm. are, if you like, ciphers for our personality, then when we lose those things, we start to lose bits of ourselves. Yeah. So people will cling on to them and people will fight not to lose. Yeah, yeah. an identity crisis, that's what they go through. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, because their identity is about what they've got, not who they are. And I think that the challenge, and, and, and I do see this coming through in younger generations, and I think it, it, it is happening, is that that redefinition of how people are and how they measure success and how they measure you know, wealth in life and riches in life is changing. And, and 
the connections that people have with one another um, are really important in that. You know, really properly connecting yeah. with your fellow human beings, really. Yeah. And whether that's just in terms of friendship, whether it's intimate relationship, all of those things. And the most important connection we have in that is with ourselves because it all starts with us. You know, it's the old cliche of be the change that you want to be. And that's why I'm talking about owning your stuff, owning your shadow. Mm-hmm. Because if there's shadow stuff there, it's going to manifest itself and it's going to be projected by you onto There's a famous quote by a general that says, um, I've never met a man more dangerous than myself. Yeah. And he's on about his own mind. Yeah. How he's, yeah. There's never anyone who's going to be more destructive for you as a, in your life yeah. than your own human psyche yeah do you know, well, it's a good point do you know i think it's interesting how the, the mind actually does that to yourself like the mind sort of deconstructive of who you are as a person like you walk around your life how many times is the mind telling you you're not this you're not that all the time it's like yeah. a constant battle isn't it all the time yeah i think so and i think i think a lot of um a lot of the pressures of society nowadays in the modern era do put us into a very mind space you know we're working a lot of the time on an ego level and and that's quite fragile and that needs to be defended so you get this defensiveness you get this kind of looping back to what we were saying about on social media where people are sort of arguing with one another and they're taking very entrenched defended positions because the ego is going i've got to be right i've got to be right i can't be wrong you Mm -hmm. know my position on this has to be the truth and it's not always the case if you drop into a place below that where you're present with yourself and you're very embodied um, I think it's then easier to have a more even-handed approach. Yeah, but it's like the aspect of, um, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast before, but it's like, it's a quote and it says like, um, the best ability is to be able to hold like two contradictory force, forces in your mind where yeah. you can like see both sides of the, the field, sort of see it. And I think that's, that's what I've actually tried to do in a lot of my life. I mean, it is hard because you said like the ego overrules that and you want to be, you want to get your point across, you want to be right. Yeah. But I think for me in my life, that's where the growth has been when I've actually, when I don't take one side or the other and I, I try and like see if Chris has got a point or whatever, I might, my ego might be saying, oh, I, can't, I can't have that, I disagree with that. <laughs> but then if I just actually, instead of like, instead of just listening to answer, actually listening to hear, yeah. that's when it comes through us a lot more that's an absolute key because I think most of us in conversation <laughs> listen <laughs> listen to answer and that yeah. is such a key thing mm-hmm. we don't actually hear one another yeah. um, and we're always in a position where we're trying to sort of think okay how, how can I win this this argument how can I kind of you know mm-hmm. yeah. and in doing that the mind we, does do that all we, the time, it does do it? that it does do that absolutely and we, we kind of and so, I mean, I think one of the most beneficial things they could teach in schools is active listening, you know, mm-hmm. just being able to hear people, mm-hmm. being able to sort of quieten yourself down and actually hear what people are saying exactly. and, and, and allow people to speak, you know. And then we start to lose the defensiveness and then we start to actually really connect with one another on a human level. Um, and we can do it with respect and we can do it with... Dignity, and you're honouring the other person by doing that. You're, yeah, you're allowing them to share their truth, even if you don't agree with it, even if you think it's the, you know, <laughs> biggest load of crap out. But, <laughs> but, That's an awesome. <laughs> But it's, it's their truth. It's absolutely their truth. And through then discussion, then you can come to some kind of understanding. You is, know, it, that is it right to dismantle someone else's truth? 
like is saying in a conversation like um it might be hard like to shut someone down and sort of see on their whole thought process I mean maybe maybe, 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 sorry, the key, maybe the key is to like just ask a, plant ask a, a little question, idea ask a exactly yeah there's yeah. some really good like thought processes um, where can someone can just simply ask a question mm. and their whole identity can be shifted I mean I've, I've seen so many people so many talk real talks online where where someone gets so defensive about um, their stance that they go out there and they speak up to the speaker, see if that speaker is speaking about um, a particular topic, and then someone gets so defensive and goes, well, rah, 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 rah. the other person can just say, well, that's an interesting point, but can you tell me about this? And then they'll mm. have to have a little insight looking at their mind to see if there's an actual truth there. Mm. So maybe maybe that's okay, like maybe asking them a question, showing interest in them can mm. help them, if you don't agree with something, showing interest in them. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think we get anywhere by being at loggerheads with one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the, uh, the notion of kind of winning arguments, the notion of kind of, you know, if, if somebody's a winner, somebody's got to be a loser. Yeah. And so again, that's, you know, from an ego perspective, that can be quite a threatening place to be. Mm-hmm. So you will resort to any means necessary to defend and to prevent the essentially the annihilation of the self. Yeah, you know, I've, if somebody's I've, kind I've of heard people before saying as well, I mean, I've been guilty of this in my mind, but I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, I won this conversation there, I won it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, you didn't win anything. You, no, win, no, no. you uh, won nothing, yeah. you just had a discussion. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you actually have a conversation? Yeah. Did you actually meet that person? Yeah, I, I like you know, that. Did you actually connect with that person? And so I think con- conscious connection is a, is a real um, important thing nowadays. And... and Facebook can and social media can kind of facilitate that, but the danger is that it's not the real thing. The real thing because it's not sort of there's a difference between face to face connection of really seeing somebody, really really seeing somebody, and actually being able to sort of see the humanity behind the eyes, see the commonality mm. with that. Mm, that's a really and good point. It's 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 dead dead easy to to do that, and we're we're seeing that across society, aren't we? We're seeing that in terms of you know the gradual dehumanization of people say in, with Donald Trump and the, the Mexicans and the immigrants mm-hmm. you know the immigrant problem in America and all the rest of it well shit America was built on immigrant yeah yeah, yeah it was. you know the, it, you know they, they they kind of it runs on their contribution to society yeah, you know and but this gradual it worries me a great deal that there's this gradual kind of drip feeding of of dehumanization yeah definitely Within society, and it's happening over here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's been here for a long time. I mean, it's, it's it, yeah, and it's been here for a long time. And, it, and it's again, it comes back to the shadow aspect that we don't own, because the shadow isn't just about the individual. I mm-hmm. believe that it occurs on deeper levels as well, the societal level, the tribal yeah, level, the family level. It's not only like this is my object. It's, it's it goes like you said. It's psychological. It's like yeah. this is my country. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a lot deeper. Yeah, again, and, the identity, and, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and 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 people are playing playing on that, preying on that as well nowadays in order to foster division amongst people. Because I think if people are divided, then you know the ideal thing to sort of if you want to foster control of a population, the ideal thing to do is to keep them right. fighting amongst themselves. Mm. You know what you don't want is people turning around in unison and going. No, he's actually all right. Him we do on the not, other side of the fence. <laughs> yeah, we we do not want this, you know. Um, and so, all sorts of channels are used in order to sort of spread that kind of dissent and that kind of disinformation across, you know. 
so I think that the 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 positive side of things like social media is that it does engender knowledge amongst people mm -hmm. you know the flip side of it is that it can also engender a lot of confusion because the other thing is we you know we live in a world where there are so many notionally things going wrong and we only tend to hear about the negatives we only tend to hear about the bad things that are happening and there are a lot of bad things happening that I think people can burn out quite quickly or people become anaesthetised to it. Like numb to it, yeah. yeah. Num they're numb to it and they become apathetic because, well, what can I do? You know, well, how can I change what Trump's doing? How can I change, you know, what's going on in Syria? How can I... Well, I think that's a very, very valid response to something that seems overwhelming, mm -hmm. from, you know, in an individual sense. But again, it comes back to what can you do as an individual? What can you do in your immediate surroundings to the people that matter to you, yeah. the people that you have influence over, the people that you come into contact with? That's I've, I've, sorry, sorry, let's just do something. I love that, by the way, and I've tried to recognise them patterns within myself. Like, what have I become numb to? Because like, there's a lot of scenarios where even if you just walk down a street and you'll see like, a sort of a tram sitting at the side of the road and you'll not... Like, You'll not acknowledge him because, like, there is something in, in deep within saying, "Ah, it's just a druggie, it's just an alcoholic." You know what I mean? Like, because you've been we've been told a story, and I've been trying to um, find what other avenues in my head have, have I been conditioned into to, to sort of turn a blind eye to. And um, there was one. I mean, this was an interesting one. This it was. Um, it was even the essence of like a. It was, a, and, and this is one of my a great experience that I had in my life and if I'd, if I'd, if I'd kept numbing myself out of this and allowed the fear to like not do this thing that I was gonna, I'm going to tell you I wouldn't have like met someone who a, a, like a friend and what happened was is um, I've told you this but I was driving along my car I was in Spain and there was a hitchhiker at the side of the road and um, this was like a battle between them two things in my mind that was going on like the old cultural saying like ah oh, don't pick him up he might, might murder you he might murder you mm -hmm. and then um, the other voice in me said and that went nah nah Fuck it, go and pick them up. So I went and picked them up, and then had a great conversation with him. And he was literally staying two seconds away from where I was staying, and so so on. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's just little things like that of like trying, trying to like see what, how many aspects of your life have you been stopping yourself from doing because yeah. of some some something that's been embedded deep in, in who you are yeah there's loads of things like that yeah and all sorts of issues touch on that I think you know and that's a really lovely example because at that moment you can choose mm. fear and the fear response is he's going to murder me yeah. he's going to be you know he's going to be <laughs> yeah. psycho and I'm going to you know end up in a ditch somewhere <laughs> but the loving response the you know the other way is to say, oh, this is a fellow human being, they need something from me, yeah, I can yeah. give them that thing. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to a personal choice. Do you want to choose between living in fear and living in love, living in flow? Mm -hmm. yeah. I believe, on a personal level, my personal belief is that the universe has essentially a benign energy behind it and if you're in sync with that energy see generally more. good things happen mm -hmm. generally and it's not to say everything is perfect obviously not bad things happen to good people you know we know that's the case accidents happen yeah you know but essentially if you can be in that place of 
equanimity with the universe. Even in seemingly bad situations, you can find good within. Mm-hmm. Because it might be that something challenges you, you know, it might be that you've kind of, I don't know, lost a job or you didn't get a job that you went for an interview for or things like that. And from a place of fear and from a place of lack, you're thinking, this is shit. Why is everything conspiring against me, you know? Mm -hmm. But it could be that something better is coming along. It could be that that job wasn't right for you. It wasn't sort of in terms of your life path. I think the universe you know, always has your back, source. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. There is a, there's a kind of supportive, gentle supportive foundation that if you are in sync with it and if you can remain in sync with it, helps us through life and helps us to see things in a, in a, a gentler way mm-hmm. and not become part of a victim mentality, not become, you know, life isn't happening to us from some external, you know, kind of force that's, you know, we are in an integral part of that. We're in that mm-hmm. flow. Mm-hmm. And good stuff happens, bad stuff happens, you know. But somewhere in all of that, I mean, I had a similar thing this time last year. I parked my car in the car park around the back. Mm-hmm. And I must have forgotten to put the handbrake on. Because <laughs> about half an hour later, the caretaker comes in and says to me, you got a smart car? And I said, yeah. I said, it's parked just out the back. He said, not anymore, it's not. And it rolled across the car park and <laughs> smacked into a parked car. So oh, I'm like, man. oh, no. <laughs> and uh, so I go out and I'm just writing a note to say, sorry, I've hit your car, you know. Good luck. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's my phone number. And the guy comes back to his car and so I'm talking to him. And, uh, and it turns out that he'd moved to Glastonbury just a few weeks beforehand. And he'd moved from the area I used to live in in Sussex so it's like oh really you know what do you do oh I work in video production I'm, I'm, I'm you know I, I film events and things like that well that's what I do mm. oh, so wow. instantly we've kind of got this connection yeah. and we start talking about geeky stuff like software and things like that and, and you know he says oh I'm really trying to learn this and I said oh well, that's what I use and he's like oh great can you give me some so out of that seemingly awful thing happening and it was a pain in the ass because I had to pay for his car to be done but it's not a totally bad experience because mm. I've potentially made yeah. a new friend I've got a connection down here you know that kind of thing the universe so, works like that doesn't it the universe works like that sometimes if you allow it to happen but if I'd have been like oh, you know just sort of put, you the note, put, that, put the note on the thing and just you know duh, duh, duh. I'd have never had that conversation with him I'd have never mm. you know and there was part of me that was sitting in my car thinking oh god Drive. You know, just drive, just drive. <laughs> well, no, no, yeah, it was, it was more. It, it, but I'll be honest with you, that crossed my mind as well yeah. because he would never have known about it. And then you think, no, how would I feel if that? Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's that sort it's of that thing. As well. And I do believe in karma, so I was thinking, no, you know, it's it's, it's not going to be kind of. In that, in that whole situation, could have been manufactured for that dilemma that you're going to have in your mind and see what you, as a test yeah. to see what you choose as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, who knows with these things like that? But I, I just think that it's it's another small example of how if you meet events in your life with a sense of equanimity and a, and a, and a kind of an openness to them, often there can be gifts, even in things that are notionally not so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, Do you think that's a good place to wrap up? I really, that's a brilliant place. Really Jesus, good. Thank you. Really good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Fist pump. Yeah. <laughs> Fist pump. Boom. <laughs> really cool. So, no, it's been really, really enjoyable. Thank really you. Cool. Thank, thank you so cool. much. 
Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Really loved chatting to Jason and I really hope this podcast inspired you to start owning your own shit. And as you know, we're never going to make people pay for these podcasts or add stupid advertisements at the beginning. We believe in making all this information available to everyone and we believe in being true to who we truly are. But all we're saying is if you see value in these conversations and they do add something in your life or even just help you through the day, please consider becoming a patron, buy Chris a beer or buy me a piece of fruit or whatever. You can donate anything from $2 all the way up to whatever amount you want. And honestly, any amount that you donate will be amazing and be a huge help. This podcast is always going to be free, but we just see Patreon and the one-off donation system as a sort of a tip system, just like if you're walking down the street and you see heard a busker playing, you would give him a tip. And for all you out there who, do, who, who doesn't know and hasn't yet realised, all these conversations are now in person and we're travelling all over the place and also now adding a video element to these conversations which are available on our YouTube page. There's probably about 20 podcasts on there that all have the video element, so check them out. And next week we have an awesome podcast with Jan Kersmik where we talk about blending of science and nature and we ask the question through this, how can we improve our interaction with nature? So anyway, look forward to that one and we'll catch you next week. Peace.